everyone, and thank you for tuning in and listening to Empowered with Lauren, and I am your host, Lauren. Today, we have an amazing guest, and I am excited to have this unbelievable woman who I believe is truly an active participant in her life. We have Donna Corrin. She is the founder of Empty Quester. She coined the term Empty Quester. Donna is a woman that speaks on women reinventing themselves after 50, creating their next bold chapter. Donna, my girl, thank you for joining (laughs) us today. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm great. It's very exciting to be with you who lives uh, her own life as an active participant with a a drive to empower herself and other women. Thank you for having me. Donna, thank you. Every time I speak with you, I want our listeners to know that this is the true woman that gets me on my toes. You make me feel like I'm a ballerina. So you always make me feel that I have to step up my game, which I respect and appreciate because I think we all need those women in our lives. And I thank you for that. So you've had an unbelievable story, and you still have a story. So we're always on this journey to better ourselves. And on our show, Empowered with Lauren, my big thing, our message is to talk about leading by example, being role models to our young girls, and truly trying and always wanting to be better and, and to, to make a, an imprint, to make a, create an environment or a society where women stand for women, girls stand for girls. And it's interesting when I speak to a woman who I have true, a, a ton of respect for, we've had such different journeys, yet we, set, we share very similar values. And when I say this, I know that you were a pretty much a, a big wig at 29 years old, working for Vogue as an advertising manager. I think you had 11 people working for you at 29 years old. And you then decided, you got married at 24, which to me, I can't even wrap myself around, so we have to talk about that in a second. And then you decided, though, at 30 or so to have a baby. Can you talk to us about that decision on leaving this major career and deciding to be a mom and what that was like for you? Sure. Yep. Well, I was very fortunate because I joined publishing at the age of uh, 23 and um, really had amazing mentors who helped me move very quickly from sales into management. And so by the time I was 29, I had established a very nice career and, um, you know, had accomplished some things. And in my mind, I had married very early, a partner that was super supportive of whatever roads I wanted to take. And we held off on having our kids until um, I was 30. I got pregnant at 30. And, um, you know, at that point, I knew that I was prepared to look at other possibilities, other pivots in uh, this career that I had started and uh, that was moving very nicely. I had the confidence to know that I could pivot and um, start raising my family. And so in that regard, I think I was very lucky. And so while you were at home and you ended up having two beautiful daughters, yes, Um, and now they are 20 and 23, but while you were at home, you were always, you had some, your foot was always in the business world, though. Talk about, mm-hmm. you didn't just completely depart, because no. I feel that 
you, you're a person, and I know that we both talk about we don't judge and what's good for what we knew what was good for, like, what, I know that my decision was where I had to be and your, your decision and where you had to be, but you always wanted to stay connected in the business world. So even though you were raising your daughters and you were home, what were you doing? Right. In the so business world? I think that's, yep, I think that's very significant because when I talk about this pivot, um, I always maintained my career. I changed it. You know, I, I kept iterating it and changing it, but I always kept my, uh, I always kept working. And I think I was raised, I think when we talk about women empowering women, I was raised by a mom who, um, I was the youngest of three girls. And at the age of 53, my mom went out to work and she went out to work, not even because she had to, she went out to work again after 30 years of not working because she wanted to, she wanted the stimulation of getting dressed up and going to the city. And so coming from that mindset, it was, it wasn't, I didn't have terror. Like, Oh my God, I want, I, one of the best things that I was told as I was um, becoming a manager and uh, developing my career at Vogue, my mentor, who was a 70-year-old associate publisher, said to me, listen, don't get confused. You're you and Vogue's Vogue. It's been Vogue for 100 years before you got here. It'll be Vogue 100 years after you leave here. And what that did for me is it allowed me not to define myself through any one particular career or one particular job or one particular role. And so when I left Vogue, when I left Vogue, I went to Time Inc. and uh, to their magazine, Baby Talk. And, you know, on the outside, somebody could look at that and say, are you out of your mind? How would you leave a power publication like Vogue in a management role and go work in sales three days a week for this, you know, what was this Baby Talk? You know, what? No, nobody knows what that is. And yet I had the confidence to know that that was going to create the kind of life I wanted, the kind of work schedule I wanted. It was part-time. It was flexible. It was all working moms. They all had flexible schedules, and um, we were the most productive organization from a revenue standpoint than from any place I've ever worked before or since. Um, so I changed my full-time career in management to a part-time career in sales. And, and got to be a mom, I, and, and still got to be a oh, mom, which is which is huge. And you was there yes. and you, that, that was important to you. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Very and I'm sorry, I didn't and I interrupt. Go be, ahead. No, no. And I got to be a mom the way that I wanted to be a mom, because like you, I have no judgment. I don't think that a working mom is not as great as a stay at home mom. I, you know, I, there's a lot of judgment going back and forth from those groups, but for me, it's a very, very personal decision. So for me, I wanted more time. Time was my equity. And I wanted more time to be with my children and working in a part-time environment that was um, supportive of moms was a great next move. And um, I think you made yep. a huge point there. It's mm -hmm. you made what was good for you. And so mm -hmm. there, everyone should understand that there's no mold or right or wrong answer. It's mm -hmm. about what makes you feel good, what's going to be the best for you and for your life. And mm -hmm. the fact that you knew that at a young age, I applaud that. Um, I know that when I was 24, I think I was swinging from chandeliers. I mean, I, I, I knew that I could never, I wasn't, I couldn't be a mom that young. I couldn't be a mom at 30. I wasn't in a certain head for me. I'm not judging. That was just from my own space of, I was very, I was obsessed with my career, with making a name for myself in the business world. Um, I was first a Wall Street trader, trader like you know on Wall Street, out on the floor of the exchange, and then opening up Pure Power. And I was obsessed, 
maybe too much, I don't know, with this um, this fire of having to prove myself that I had to have this certain a, a sort of success and a certain amount of money. And my husband actually proposed four times and he's like, sweetheart, there's no five. I'm like, there'll be five. Don't worry about it. But I ended up doing it. We ended up getting married and it wasn't that I was running around and I, and I couldn't be monogamous. I just had this thing about proving something. And Mm -hmm. I know that I ended up having, I went through four IVFs and to have a child, I was three weeks shy of my 40th, but for my personal journey, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have changed any of that because I wouldn't have been a quarter of a mom for me if I was at 30, yet I respect and love the fact of how you knew what your map needed to be. And Mm -hmm. so this is when I, when I speak with you, I always enjoy and I always learn from where you are at, where you are now and where you want to be going. And I know that you've, just did this amazing TED talk, which you know I aspire to do. And I and when I speak to you, I'm like, I have to get this done. Talk mm-hmm. to us about what this TED talk was about and where your passion is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I wanted to start in relation to what you were sharing with me about how you knew how, you knew what you had to do. Um, and you sort of did it before you started a family. And I think there's a really important word here before I share with you about the TED because it kind of ties into this, and that's permission. It's kind of like presence and permission. It's being present to really know who you are and what you need and what you want and then giving yourself permission to do it. So in your case, you gave yourself permission to build that career, that income, before you started a family. For me, it was contiguous. I gave myself permission to make a change from something that was very glamorous and very high-powered to, um, you know, a different type of experience. And, and after I left Time, Inc., I actually went ahead and launched a magazine in Long Island, which, was, um, which we ran and was quite successful for seven years. So I think, and that also had a different kind of flexibility. So I think being present and having um, a real understanding of what you need and want to do at the time and giving yourself permission to do it um, is um, powerful. And with I love TEDx, that. Can I, can, I, can I jump in on that for a second? Yeah. I absolutely love that. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand, giving yourself permission. I'm writing that down right now. Giving yourself permission to understand your own journey and to make your own allowances for your, for your roadmap. And like you said, so I knew that I'm a very intense, all-in, can you believe that, very passionate person that – uh, if I'm, work, I'm working 16-hour days, I needed to – I was very, like, one-dimensional in that way. And now what I'm learning, which is interesting, because I said when I, when I sold Pure Power Clothes and it was uh, – my daughter was nine months old, and I said it was time, I wanted to be completely present with her. And I needed – at 44 or 43 and a half, I wanted that time off just to be with my daughter. And I wanted to – reevaluate and step back. And that, that is when I actually, and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I gave my, I gave myself permission. I gave myself Mm -hmm. permission to say, now it's time. Um, I don't want to be on 16 hours a day. I don't want to be responsible for employees and everything else. I want to just be with my little girl and my husband and be home and be here. And so it was an interesting thing when people would say to me, was that, 
to- totally did that throw you off? Were you, was that a huge decision? And I said, that actually came, once it happened, it was so easy, Donna. And, yes. I, and I loved it. I drank it up. I ate it up. And it was the best three years I could possibly tell you because it also nourished. I, I gave myself nourishment to refuel. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I would never take that time back with my daughter. And I was, um, I set the foundation for where I want to be now, knowing that when she was going to be in kindergarten, I was going back to work. And in the last year or so, I've been vamping up. And here we are now. And I'm starting this new, uh, le- continuing my journey to empower, but in a different way giving myself permission to do it on different terms, that I don't have to do something 16 hours a day, be obsessive over the work, and I'm learning the, I'm going to say the compromise, but it's the word permission, and thank you for for showing that. So I'm sorry, go back to the TED Talk thing, and thank you for saying that. Yeah, yep. So, um, and there's something really delicious about what you're saying. Like, you know, very often you say, oh, our paths were so different. But in listening closely, they really weren't because what you did is you took a pause and you evaluated and you gave yourself some time. And what happens when women do that, you know, women are uh, women in particular are so driven. You know, we're the mom or we want to work. We want to contribute. We want to do it all. And and we are our own worst enemies. And out of that space, when you give yourself time um, and, um, you know, permission comes creative thought, comes possibility, comes opportunity. And my TEDx, which is the newest workforce disruptors are over 50, is really a continuum on this conversation. And, um, you know, really not looking at, you know, how society perceives women or people over 50 and just not buying into, you know, narratives that are set by, you know, where we should be as a mom, as a woman at this age, at the next age, at 50. You know, I sort of just discarded all of that and did a deep dive and did a ton of research and looked at all the possibilities for people who are 50 plus who want to either rejoin the workforce or start brand new careers or go out there and own a business. And the statistics are amazing because uh, one in four new businesses last year were started by people over 50. And there are nearly 100 companies out there, major companies that are creating relaunch programs for women who have taken a break and they want to come back into industry. And these are major companies like IBM and Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs and Bloomberg and um, just infinitum. There's always possibility. So I think if you come to life without fear, you come to curiosity, passion and confidence. You know, I think the operative word is confidence that you are a contributing member. And just because you have a baby or just because you turn 40 or just because you turn 50 really has no meaning that you will, you know, actually seek out the opportunities. And there are many, you know, there really are many. I love that, Donna, and I love the fact that being 40 or being 50, that doesn't define you. That Mm -hmm. doesn't define you. Having the curiosity and having the fire and to try and to get out there and being an active participant rather than a spectator, that's power. Don't you think, Donna? I mean, that's, that's showing that you're owning your own power. And you also made an point I, when we spoke uh, recently about disposable income. There's a different head frame than trying something at 50 than trying mm-hmm. something maybe at 25 or 30. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about, um, you know, the consumer, you know, my background was advertising and marketing yes. and all of that. So when you think about who the, you know, 
the traditional norms. But you see, in my life, I don't even have traditional norms because my parents were working and productive. My mother into her 80s, my father in his 90s. Everybody continued to work and participate, you know, and they were very vibrant. So the typical, you know, uh, visual that you have of somebody who's an empty nester, you know, all the images that go with that are really like old people. That could not be farther from the truth, because when you look at spending, 70% of all disposable income is um, is managed by people who are 50 and older. One in two purchases are made by people who are 50 and older, and um, less are online. So we are active and vibrant consumers that really uh, should be a lot of messages, a lot of media messages and advertising messages should be directed to us, and there's a real gap in that which was also a reason why I did the TED. And doing this TED Talk, that's, that's a huge honor. I want everyone to tune in to this TED Talk. It is an unbelievable, her, your poise, your delivery, and it's very inspirational. So I definitely want people to tune into that TED Talk. Now talk to us about having these two daughters that are beautiful, 20 and 23 years old, and do you think that them seeing you constantly involved gave them the fire and set the stage for them to be independent girls? How, how are they and how do they see you? And are you their role models? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's an exciting question and one that's very exciting for us to share because I know you're raising a beautiful five-year-old daughter of your own. I think it was always in my mind that, you know, one part of whatever I was doing out there in the world, in the business world, in the work world, in the creative world, was always to model for them that a female could be both a great mom and a very loving and engaged mom, but also have a, a life for herself. And um, I think that's a very important message. I think it becomes more and more important as we raise um, both men and women in today's world because I think that the way it's going to go is that people are going to be working longer. They're going to have to work longer. So if the inevitability is that, you know, you're going to raise children and you're going to, um, you know, want to work or need to work, it's very important to model for your children that it can be done and it can be done with joy and it can be done without guilt. And without guilt, at a hundred percent. Let's talk about that. Without guilt, and for them seeing you as a happy person, that sets the stage for them to be happy. That's a role model mm-hmm. itself. So if you are doing things that inspire you, if you're doing things that complete you to make you more fulfilled, you are setting the example and showing what a happy, adjusted, confident woman looks like and feels like. Yeah. Right. And Lauren, I would say at 100 percent, I would think that for you, as you start to develop your public speaking, your podcast, your your future TED talk that you're going to do without a doubt, it's really great to engage your children in that road, make them a participant. You know, when I had the magazine in Long Island, we did events We do like 20 events a year and I would bring them and they were like seven and ten. And they would just come to our events, and it became something so second nature, so comfortable, and so exciting. So I um, love that. that and that we changed my, my, sorry, go ahead. No, we just we didn't compartmentalize. Like, here I am a mom, and I'm going to do that from, like, 9 to 5, and at 5, I'm going to click on and become the working person. No, there was a melding. And I think that that melding just normalizes the whole thing. And I think it sets your children up for a future to understand that as a as – a, 
as a mom, you can be multidimensional and you can and you can and you must have your own you know, pursue your own passions, be a whole person. I think that garner your own persona. You know, yes, you can't yeah. just be identified then as mom. So I know that yeah. my daughter looks at me and she says, I want I want you to open up like she'll talk about speaking and she'll say, I want to go speak at schools with you. And she talks and says, I'm a speaking in my class like you do, Mommy. I'm going to be a speaker so we could speak together. And then we can open a business up again like you had pure power. And I can be, you and I will be partners together. And to have a five-year-old little girl say that, it, it, it totally excites me. And it shows me that she sees Mommy other than just being her Mommy. Yeah. Which, by the way, and I love being her mommy. That's like my favorite thing. But of course, it it shows that she sees me also as a strong, powerful woman. And it may not be mm-hmm. in those terms, but you, you understand what I'm saying with that. I think that when we talk about having passions, leading by example, it's doing these everyday activities. And it's and so when I say to people, say you may, you may not want to work, but if it's a charity or mm-hmm. a hobby or something else, it's very important. It's essential for your daughter to mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's essential. essential to being a human being. And what I would think, Lauren, is that when a five-year-old grows up in that type of environment with that sort of spark and that sort of comfort level with her mom being her own person, that child gets to grow up and become their own person, which is what I've experienced with two females that are 20 and 23, that they get their wings and they get to understand there's a place where, you know, there's a demarcation between, you know, mom and child and that um, people grow in, in healthy ways with healthy attachments. So um, just my own personal experience, people um, parent all different ways, and it's all really personal about what works for you. But in this household, you know, um, being able to have my own ideas and passions and pursuits really, I think, serve my children very well. And I think you've done an unbelievable job, and I'm looking forward to spending time with your fabulous daughters. I know for my myself it was very important that my daughter – sees mommy work, not just, so my husband and I had this conversation a few years ago when he knew that I was, you know, going back into the work mindset. And he kept saying, you know, Lauren, she's, she's going to know she, you had this huge website, you had this whole entire story that we could be sharing in these videos and you're all on TV. And I said, no, it's different. I want her to experience it while she's living it with me simultaneously as you say so it was not a departure it wasn't it was we are doing it at the same time and I think that that's an important message for me that's what I chose Mm -hmm. again everyone has their own decisions so I understand and that was a big thing of where I needed because I have a five-year-old and I have a little girl my new journey was to trying to create more of an understanding about role modeling and that's why I love mm-hmm. speaking and I love talking about women issues, girl issues, women standing for women, the difference between not breaking each other down, building each other up. And as a big one that I know that you're a big believer in is mentoring. I mean, I know we spoke a little while ago. I told you I was asked to be a keynote to talk about bridging the generational gap and becoming a cohesive group in the workforce. And they asked me, a company asked me to do a keynote on that. And I said, to be perfectly honest with you, because I was developing a relationship with these people, 
I am not your perfect person for that because what I feel is that we are giving too much play to separating generations, meaning millennials want to work more from home. They want more free time. Generation Y wants to have open space. And I feel like we're losing the one word that society as a whole is losing that I think we're taking our eye off of it, and it's called respect. And I believe that we shouldn't be playing so much into separating or bridging the gaps, and I feel that people need to have a work ethic, and we shouldn't be playing to certain uh, generations. That the word respect, because when we were growing, when we were younger, you and I, and we were working at 25 or 30, you would never say, I can't work with someone 15 years older than I am or 20 years. I don't understand their head. I don't understand what they're at. Our bosses would have looked at us like we were crazy, Donna. We've been like, what? Right. And so you and I, I know we feel you look at it and please talk to us about the mentor, the mentorship. Yeah, it's not only mentorship, it's two-way mentorship, so I'll explain that a little better. But when you talk about what, you know, how we were raised in industry, um, as you know and you said, I was 29 years old. I was the youngest. There was a four-person management team at Vogue, and the oldest person on the team, he was 70. He had been at Vogue probably for 20 years, and he was a cog in that wheel. He was amazing. And I was 29 when I was the ad manager. And we it, it was just second nature. Nobody ever thought about anything except we were all bringing our A-game and our ideas and our distinct insights to, you know, building this uh, huge revenue generator that was Vogue. And um, so it's, it's strange to me, uh, almost – 25 years later that all this labeling has gone on. And I guess I don't much buy into it. I think that the labels are ridiculous. I think that they should be cast out. Um, Thank you. They, yeah, they don't, they don't mean anything. They really don't define um, anything. It's um, so the only piece, and when I was doing my research for the TED, the only piece um, that this whole conversation hinges on is the use of technology. And I'm going to sort of dismantle that stereotype because I did my own survey of many, many people in their 30s, you know, what the challenge would be for working with somebody my age. And what was great about that is they all said they'd love to work with somebody my age because of the wisdom. So the, the concept of the wisdom of the older um, employee or the older business owner is not lost on the younger generation. The sticking point to them is, you know, oh, the technology. But in the last two years, I've done my own deep dive learning so much of the technology, and it's a lot easier than people would think. And the training is out there. So if companies, which is what's happening now with companies, they're bringing in the, let's call it the older employee, and they're training them. And they're actually part of that training is tech technology, use of technology, and part of it is breaking down those stereotypes through all kinds of seminars and, uh, you know, uh, coaching so that um, two-way mentoring can take place. Because it's not only that I want to mentor, I know what I can bring to the table, but it's also what a younger generation of employees can bring to people who are older than them. And when I was at Vogue, it was just this dynamic place where there was a, you know, a, a whole uh, world of different perspectives from different cultures, from different ages, different stages, and it made for a really dynamic business. So I, when I, when you ask me what that looks like and what that feels like, it's respect. It's a two-way respect, and two-way it's really respect. just starting. Yeah, and it's just starting those conversations because I think once you start having those conversations, um, those stereotypes and those barriers really do come down. 
Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of it. I think what we need to be talking about is what you're saying is how we come together again as a unit, not mm-hmm. as we're separating what years, how old I am, what generation I'm from, what generation you're from, what generation they're from. And I think we have to stop. We have to bring back the power, by the way. The core value is respect for one another. And whether that's mentorship, which I think is huge, but I think we have to break down the age thing, let it go, and talk about common core value. And the common Mm -hmm. core value is what respect. I respect you. You respect me. You respect me in the fact that, or, or someone at my age in that fact that I may have more experience and then I respect you in the fact that you may bring, bring a knowledge, for example, that technology. You, you, when you say to me you're not great at technology, I laugh. I'm completely incompetent. And I own the fact that I have so much to learn. So I would look to a younger person to say, guide and show me. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. When I started Empty Quester and I wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to create my video series and just create content, I really turned to younger people. One of my mentors is a big podcaster. We met at Acme and she, um, you know, walked me through all those ropes. And just recently, two weeks ago, we sat on a panel together called Real Talk and it was actually three generations of women, um, all with different follow, different audiences that follow us. One being the millennial dating scene, one being, uh, you know, a content provider for new moms, myself doing empty nesters, and a fourth woman, Mary Jane Fahey, who um, has a site called Glorious Broads for really sassy broads over 70. And in just having, being on that panel together, we realized all the commonalities. And what was really cool about it is at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're all serving our audiences. And what are we serving them with? Authenticity, real talk and authenticity. And that's what makes our content saying. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that. And it's, and it's women standing for women. It's girls standing for girls, standing for girls, women standing for women. And that's oh. our common, that's our common thread. And if yep. you can find a mentor, whomever that is, to, to, to have someone that you can learn from and you can teach at the same time, like so, two-way mentoring. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's so dynamic. And one other thing is we were, uh, as I was thinking about it, um, in the last year, like I developed many relationships with moms. I sat on a panel at Bloomingdale's and it was moms in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Obviously, I was a mom representing the, you know, moms in their 50s. And from sitting on a panel with them, um, I developed amazing relationships and mentorships with women who have children as young as your daughter and a little bit older, everybody, an entrepreneur, everybody in business, and we speak on a regular basis. And I've uh, published articles in their, you know, on their blogs about, you know, preparing for the empty nest in your 30s and 40s, which sounds crazy, but, you know, you kind of have to do that. And this year, even, I published an article in the Washington Post, which was how five things you should do right now if you want to take a career break to raise a family. So these are all examples of mentorship and how, you know, an older person can bring really important, very specific, valuable information to younger moms, younger women, and empower them. And, um, can you give being, us those five? Can you give us five things of what you should do when you want to take a break? What, what would be those five things? Well, part of it is, I mean, uh, part of it is 
staying connected with your old networks and not letting them lapse. And, you know, even if you're not working in your old company, just staying current and reading uh, about developments in industry and making sure you just are in touch, you know, and your uh, your colleagues are happy to hear from you. You don't have to be sitting down the hall and doing the same thing you were doing uh, with them a year ago. They're interested in, in being connected to you. So that's one. And then yeah. staying um, educated, you know, keeping up with um, keeping yeah. current on what's happening in your industry. And if you need new skills, going to your local community college and taking courses that will keep you uh, up to date and everything that's happening in technology in your industry. So that's another. And then being a participant, like you always talk Lauren, about being an active participant. And even if you're not an active participant the way you were, you know, even if I wasn't in Vogue, just coming home and um, while you're, you know, raising your family, just being a participant as you are in the school, in the community, you know, do it, just staying engaged. Keeping engaged staying engaged is, wherever you yeah. are. That's that's yeah. that's key. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's really very important. So um, that's some of them, and then I'll share with you the link to the article and and um, you know. And how about what all would the be your what would be your three takeaways for women reinventing themselves mm -hmm. or coming back into the workforce? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the first foremost, which is why women uh, like you and me having conversations like these are so important. The first is confidence. I think the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles for women is just having their own confidence. Not everybody wakes up in the morning and says like, I'm going to hit it hard. So um, just developing confidence, developing networks that help you develop your confidence. I'd say that's one. The second is doing a really deep dive, doing a really uh, great reflection on what makes your blood, uh, you know, feel fiery? What makes you get up in the morning? What makes those feet hit the ground? What inspires and, you? You know, what are yes. you passionate about? Because I think, especially as you get older, um, or as you're a mom and you're going to balance two things, I think if you have something that you're passionate about, uh, your chances of success at that are so much greater. So, so much greater. I, right. Confidence and figuring out your passion. And then I would say um, building your supportive networking community Network. and people who will not naysay, just like you and I do for one another, and people who will say, you got this, keep going. I like that. Okay, try it a different way. So I think that community of like-minded people who have your back and want to see you succeed is, uh, is equally important. I'd say those three. I love all three of them. That's amazing. Confidence, reflection, network. You want to surround people that make you feel good that empower you, that inspire you, that are also going to tell you, though, like you said, like you said, I love it. Maybe we can try it a little differently. You and mm -hmm. I do that for one another, right? That's All the time. Being a, genu yeah. being a genuine friend and saying, but it's, it's in a positive way, but yeah. being honest and being real about it, um, and that's yeah. a huge thing. It's funny because I don't know, there was a group that was established, I think, in 1939 called the 40 Plus Club. And it's kind of what you're, I don't know if you know about it, Donna, like this no. was what back then it was supporting career transition and returning to the workplace. Remember the 40 years, 1939, 40s was middle-aged, was, was right. you know, that's a whole different oh. ball game. And that was a, a major, major non-for-profit organization. And I feel what you're doing is the newer, improved version showing that 50 is just, it, it's another, it's another amazing chapter. This isn't 
that's not, I don't even know what middle-aged is anymore. First off, the 50-year-old women I know, and it's only, I'm 46, and I feel that I feel better and look better now than I did when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I, I, yep. I'm sure you feel that way. Oh, I do. You're and I like think the hottest of the hot. Ah, but thinking about my, thank you. I think about my own mom. Like I, I, we never discussed age. It wasn't important. And at 80, she looked fantastic. And it just, age is not a conversation. When I went to do the TED, I know I told you this, they, um, when I was pitching my idea, they said to me, oh, are you going to talk about ageism? And I was like, hell no, I'm not going to talk about ageism. I don't want to talk about that lament. I don't even want to validate that word. And that's not like my head's in the sand and I don't know that, you know, it exists. And of course it exists. But the point is, I think the antidote to ageism is just being engaged and relevant. And um, this two-way mentoring is a big part of that as well. So yeah, no, I think, I think at any age, vibrancy and um, community and, and purpose, passion, you know, those are the antidotes to, uh, you know, being uh, saying young, saying young, young, and and the word happy to be happy. If you're going to be engaged, if you find passion, if you become a player, if you are exploring and experiencing and you're surrounding yourself with positive people, then your life is enriched. It's fulfilled and you feel younger than young, happier than happier. Not saying that every day is going to be this unbelievable day, but nine out of 10, you want those days to be an awesome kick-ass, things, things are good. You want to be an optimistic, full-of-life person that is grateful and contributing. And you, Donna, you are that woman. I'm grateful to have you in my network of strong, amazing, fierce women. Um, please tell everyone the link to go to for your, for your website, as well as your Ted talk. I will. But before we say that, what I want to say is when I hear you speak and you, you know, sort of summarize everything we're saying, it is so clear to me. It's all very palpable. It's all very exciting. And that's why you are developing the speaking career that you are because, um, you get it and you want to empower other people to have, um, that, that empowerment, that confidence. And it's amazing. So, yeah. Thank you, Mama. I'm excited to see. Big yeah, I'm excited to, to see where you're going. Yeah. No, no. We're gonna be, I no think we're going to be doing some great stuff together. And I know that I have your back and you have my back. And that's where it begins. That's yeah, where it begins. 100%. 100%. So, um, if uh, listeners want to learn more, my website and Instagram and Facebook is all emptyquester.com. Uh, or at Empty Quester, and Quester is Q-U-E-S-T-E-R, which is play on words like Nestor, Empty Quester. And um, if you want to check out the TED Talk, you can find it on YouTube under Donna Corrin, K-O-R-R-E-N. The newest workforce disruptors are over 50. I love it. Donna, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being an active participant. Thank you for being a woman that supports women. And ladies, it is so important. We are living our best lives by having our passion, by supporting one another, by mentoring each other, and number one and foremost, respect, respecting ourselves and to respect each other. Till next time, you can reach me at lauren at empoweredwithlauren.com, and I am grateful to each and every one of you. Until next time, ladies.